So I want to share with you what I call the kingdom keys for success. We are about to go through some crisis in this country and every country. Some of you will lose your job. Some of your business will collapse. Some of you will have downsizing and right-sizing. Some of you will have problems trying to keep your house. And some of you are going to actually lose your capacity to generate income. And I've, I've been sent here by God, perhaps just among the other leaders, to tell you, look, if you're going to make it through the crisis, you have to focus on management. Here's God's successful key. Genesis 1.28 says these words, And the Lord blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that creeps upon the ground. Now, listen carefully because this is really the heart of God's mandate in Genesis 1:26, God says these words about you let them have dominion over the earth in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 God tells us how to do it dominion means to govern to rule to control to manage to lead now in verse 28 he tells us how to dominate the earth he gives us the process please get your pen you're gonna write this down because anyone who wants to dominate in the earth will have to follow God's simple process first of all the four keys of principles of success in God's program number one be fruitful God never said to be seedful The first command God gave man was to be what? Fruitful. It's impossible to, be, to produce fruit unless it was preceded by seed. God will never demand what doesn't exist already. So God's first command is to be fruitful. Now when I looked at the word fruitful in the original Hebrew, it does not mean to have children. It shocked me. For example, if having children was the essence of God's command, then Abraham didn't do a good job with just one legitimate child. The word fruitful, write it down, it means productive. Be productive. God's first command to humans is be productive. That means produce something. Poverty is the absence of self-production. I remember uh, when Jesus was laying on the floor one day eating, a woman walked in. She was, it was illegal for her to do that, where men were eating at that time, and she stepped over. Peter, James, and John, and she came to him and she took this beautiful stone bottle and she broke the top and she poured this ointment over his body and she began to rub it into his flesh and into his feet and the scent filled the room and right away the men knew this scent indicates a quality of ointment that was very expensive. Matter of fact, it was imported from Egypt. They knew it. It was used for embalming bodies. It cost twelve to thirteen thousand dollars US in our day. That's why they said this is a year's wages in one bottle. And they complained to him and said, Sir, why do you let this woman waste this precious money on your body? And Jesus said something very important. They said it could have been given to the poor. His answer was the poor you always have with you. Now, when I look at the word poor there, it shocked me. It doesn't mean those who lack. It means non-productive ones. All right. Welcome to another great episode of How to Acquire Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Moultrie, and I am excited for this conversation today. Um uh, 
Got some really great information that came through, uh, through the kingdom of God. And I want to present my findings to you. I actually received this uh, yesterday and I'm recording this on a Thursday. You're going to get this episode on next Tuesday. But with all the holiday weekend and everything going on, I wanted to go ahead and record a few days early. So there's really great opportunity uh, information information came in uh, over the last 24 hours. There is this thing called the billionaire census and, and shout out to Dr. Miles Monroe for a really great illustration of the four keys uh, to success. Some have dubbed it the four keys to becoming a billionaire. Uh, so I'll have that link in the show notes and you can continue watching the rest And uh, hopefully it blesses you like it's blessed me. Uh, Understanding the difference between being productive, being fruitful, and being non-productive. And also the other three keys that you'll need in order to build your empire and have access to the kingdom. So this really great uh, report came through from a company by the name of Autrita. And it's called the Billionaire Census. As you know, on this particular season of How to Acquire Podcasts, we are studying billionaires. And uh, I was making a point to specifically study Black billionaires. We've done a really great job at studying the Black billionaires. We've also had an episode on studying uh, women's billionaires from the Forbes list. And now this report came through about the Billionaire Census of 2022. And I thought this would be a really great time to drop this in one of our episodes uh, by a company uh, organization by the name of WealthX, an ultra Tara company, and they actually do data analysis. Uh, Let's see. Can we pull their website up? Let's pull up Autrita and see if you go to their uh, website. We'll have the link in the show notes for this as well where you can download the the report for yourself. Uh, We work at scale with businesses and nonprofits across the world from a variety of industries. Whether you're interested in donors or board members, the wealthiest individuals or the most impactful business leaders, we help you connect with confidence. Okay? We are working together to make Altura an incredible place to work for all of our staff. So you can look more into this uh, company and the one doing the report is called WealthX, Reach the World's Wealthiest Individuals. WealthX has developed the world's largest collection of records on wealthy individuals and produces unparalleled data analysis to help organizations uncover, understand, and engage their target audience, as well as mitigate their risk. They have a database, details to make the difference, reveal the power of your data, your search stops here. So they believe that they have the data you need in order to reach your wealthiest clients uh, out there. Okay, and they also have a, a spot here. We can schedule a, de- a demo uh, with the company and let them know that how to acquire sent you. So in the meantime, before you do that, let's look at the data that they have and see if this report uh, is of any value to you. Uh, I've had a chance to kind of quickly go through it. I haven't studied it yet. That's what I want to do here. I want to use this episode to go through and see what stands out, what we can use here on how to acquire a podcast and how we can elevate our thinking. If you are not already, the video is right now on Spotify. If you want to watch the actual Uh, report and see everything on your screen, you can go to Spotify and look at the video. All right. So I'm looking at the contents page and it gives us nine different sections. They have the executive summary, the introduction, the billionaire class in 2021, connections to billionaires, billionaires across the globe, billionaire performance, today's billionaires by industry focus, methodology, and about Altered Tara. Okay, so we already did a little bit about the company. Uh, What we'll do is we will quickly go through some of these sections, find the things that stand out to us. This is a 33-page report. I do not expect to go through all 33 pages on this particular uh, episode. That's why 
you will have access to download your own. And uh, from there, you can look at all 33 pages. I am going to go through the executive summary, maybe read a little bit of the introduction, and just kind of give a, a highlight of everything else, okay? Um, I really, I think my focus, I really want to get to this one, number seven, Today's Billionaires by Industry Focus. If, 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 if nothing else, I want to do the executive summary of what they've, uh, overall what they found, uh, connections to billionaires, that seems really important. Billionaires across the globe. And I definitely want to look at today's billionaires by industry focus. And then everything else, if we happen to come across it, we do. All right. So we have, you know, we want to have this episode done in a timely manner. So let's go ahead and get started. We are on the executive summary. And oh, by the way, I always have my my drink with me. So if you hear me sipping, uh, my apologies in advance. Um, but it's always like having a cup of coffee with me when we have these episodes. So let me get a drink in and then let's look at this executive summary. All right, 2021 witnessed the third successive year of billionaire population expansion with the weakest growth since 2018. The number of billionaires in North America exceeded the 1000 threshold for the first time. It's interesting. The average US CEO or nonprofit trustee has a direct connection to almost four billionaires and secondary connections to more than 250. That's good to know. The average U.S. CEO has a direct connection to almost four billionaires. Okay. All top 15 billionaire countries reported an increase in billionaires' wealth in 2021. But changes in population were far more diverse. Kuwait City, San Francisco, and Hong Kong have the highest density of billionaires. Next, of the top five primary industries, technology has by far the youngest, most self-made and male billionaires. Well, you know, I don't believe in self-made. I believe in God-made. So we're going to make that edit there. So that is just a little bit of the executive summary. Obviously, there's more uh, descriptions there. You can check that out uh, on your own time. The introduction, let's just read maybe the first or second paragraph. The first billionaire census published by Alter Tara and the ninth edition powered by WealthX Data analyzes the status of the world's billionaires. While modest in number, this global group holds immense wealth and wields a significant influence over the global economy. We start by analyzing the distribution of wealth among the ultra-wealthy, those with a net worth of $30 million or more, providing context that highlights the considerable and growing influence of the billionaire class. Given its sparsity, it is crucial to employ a highly individualized approach to engaging billionaires. For the first time, using insights from BoardX, another Altratara company. We de detail the surprising high number of professional connections that CEOs and trustees of nonprofits organizations have to billionaires. All right, so then we move on. Oh, here we go. Key definitions. Primary industry is the industry in which the wealthy devote most of their time, not necessarily the industry by which they created their wealth, although they often are one and the same. Ultra high net worth individuals those with a net worth of $30 million or more, okay? Very high net worth individuals, those with a net worth of $5 million to $30 million. So if you are listening to this episode and you are in those ranges, now you know what you are considered. If you have $30 million or more, you're in an ultra high net worth. If you have $5 million or more, you're in a very high net worth. So congratulations to either one uh, that you may fall in. And if you're on your way to it, then you're on your way to it. And that's awesome as well. All right. The billionaire class of 2021, billionaires account for outsized proportion of global ultra wealth. The uneven distribution of global wealth is evident at all levels of society and across all wealth tiers, but it's particularly stark when examining the world's super rich. In 2021, the billionaire population of 3,311 individuals represented just 0.9% of the global ultra 
high net worth class, comprising those with $30 million in net worth, yet held an outsized 27.4% share total of the ultra high net worth individual. Billionaires account for just 1% of the global ultra wealth class, yet hold over 20% of the group's total wealth. Does that make sense? So billionaires account for 1% of the people that have $30 million or more, but they make up 20% because there are billionaires They make up 20% of the total wealth, the group's total wealth. That's powerful. So the amount of people is smaller, but obviously because they're billionaires, they take up a higher percentage of the actual wealth or money or however we're measuring that. All right, let's keep looking in here. Over the past decade, the size of billionaire class as a share of the ultra-high net worth population has remained largely unchanged at close to 1%. Yet, in absolute terms, the billionaire population has expanded by over 50% since 2012. Here we have a chart, top-tier wealth, billionaire and ultra-wealth over time. You'll see it starts off at 2012 and ends in 2021. The blue is the ultra-wealth excluding billionaires. It goes from 20 billion to 31 billion. The green is the billionaire wealth. It starts off at 26 billion and goes to 42 billion. Right now, currently in 2021, there's a difference between $11 billion between the ultra wealth, excluding the billionaires and the uh, versus the billionaires themselves. There's $11 billion gap between that. We always talk about the racial wealth gap or the just the, the wealth gap overall, what they're looking at here is the gap of the ultra wealthy, which is an interesting study to look at. Okay, that's really cool. If you're not watching this on Spotify, you're really missing out to see this chart. But obviously, you can download the, um, the chart or the report and look at the chart yourself. Growth in billionaires' wealth has outpaced the rise in billionaires' numbers. Okay. Oh, here's another chart. The distribution of wealth, I'm sorry, the distribution of billionaire wealth is changing rapidly. A clear trend that has emerged in recent years has been a more skewed distribution of wealth among the billionaire population itself to the benefit of those individuals at the very peak of the global wealth pyramid. So here's the wealth tiers. Billionaire population and wealth by wealth tier. So here's the number of billionaires. 1,764. Okay, so here are the colors. So there's 1,764 billionaires who have one, one to $2 billion. Okay, and their total wealth is here on the right. So this is the number of billionaires and the total wealth. There are, the next color is there are 1,000 1,040 billionaires who have $2 billion to $5 billion. Next is 314 billionaires who have $5 billion to $10 billion. There's 172 billion who have $10 billion to $50 billion. And there are 20 billionaires who have $50 billion or more. So this is quite interesting when you're looking at this ultra wealth gap, if that's, a, if that's the proper way. Let's look at what they're saying here on the report. A dramatic shift is evident when charting just the top tier group of super billionaires with a net worth of $50 billion. In 2021, these 20 individuals held a 17% share of all billionaire wealth, a sharp increase from 11% in 2019 and just 4% in 2016. Among the upper billionaire wealth tiers, 192 individuals each held a fortune in excess of $10 billion. It's interesting. It's really interesting to look at wealth at just looking at the top tier and how big of a gap that is compared to someone who has a billion compared to someone who has 50 billion. That's a huge difference within just that world. So when someone is running around saying, well, I'm a billionaire, Cool, cool, you're a billionaire. But how does that compare to other billionaires? I think sometimes, especially when we're looking at 
black billionaires, they may just have reached this uh, billionaire status. And so a lot of people who aren't billionaires look up to them, but really they know that they're at the very bottom of the, this new world that they're in. They still got more work to do, right? All right, connections to billionaires. Given their wealth and influence, billionaires can make a huge impact on a company's or organization's success. For example, to the bottom line of the corporations they engage with or for nonprofit organizations and educational institutions on their fundraising and wider goals. Though very wealthy, let alone billionaires, typically have greater demands on their time, face far more marketing pressures, and consequently have very demanding and distinctive standards, this means a highly individualized approach to engaging this exclusive group is crucial. While an actual request, whether philanthropic, financial, experimental, or materialistic, needs to be clear and appealing to a billionaire, a warm introduction can almost be considered a prerequisite for engagement at this level of wealth. So if you want to interact and connect with billionaires, it may be best to have someone who can introduce you to those billionaires. Okay. All right. We got more charts. I love this. All right. Connections to billionaires. Average number of professional connections to billionaires. CEOs of U.S. private equity firms. Their direct connections are five. So if you find the right private equity firms, that may be a way to get a warm introduction to billionaires. Right? We got to think strategically. If your goal is to talk with a billionaire for any particular reason, well, one way to do that is by having connections in private equity firms, right? And your second degree connections um, from the private equity firm could be up to 451. Now, if you don't want to do go through the private equity firm, look at this. Trustees of a U.S. non-for-profit organization have access to, on average, 3.8 billionaires. And indirectly, 263. CEOs of U.S. publicly listed companies or privately owned companies with revenues of greater than 50 million. They have access to 3.7 billionaires on average and up to 348 billionaires indirectly. This is, to me, a really great strategy. So what can you do here? Uh, make really great. You can make really great connections with top private equity firms top nonprofit organizations and companies with $50 million of revenue or higher. By doing that, you instantly increase your chances of interacting and working with billionaires for whatever reason you may need. Okay. And the goal isn't to just have one billionaire friend. The goal is to know the billionaires. So then as things are happening, you have, their contact information and they know you. It's not just about you knowing them, but do they know you? Do they know that how, how big of a resource that you can be to them? You have to make yourself know. There's a quote on that. I'll see if I can find it. Oh, who? Okay, maybe this is a quote. It's not just who you know, but who they know. The average U.S. CEO of nonprofit trustees has a second degree connection to more than 250 billionaires. See what I'm saying? So part of your strategy, I would say, is not just knowing one billionaire. Part of your strategy should be cultivating these relationships with these companies and making yourself be very valuable to them. All right, billionaires on boards. Average number of board seats per billionaire. Public company boards, 1.6. Historically, 2.2. Private company boards have 3.2 billionaires, historically 5.4. So if you were trying to find billionaires, you probably have a better shot at looking at a private company. Let's look at this. Connections between individuals can take many forms, personal, professional. The latter can arise from shared employment, education, M&A transactions, board membership, or non-for-profit experience. A board membership connection can be particularly strong, helped by a limited number of people on a typical board. The uniting vision of the company, organization, and the multiple events and meetings attended over the course of the year 
The average billionaire sits on three private company boards and more than one public company board, making the business leaders who sit alongside them highly valuable as contacts themselves. Sometimes it's not about knowing the billionaires. Sometimes it's about knowing the people who know the billionaires. We always, we always tend to undervalue the connector. The connector could very well be the person you need to treat right. All right, let's keep going. Billionaires across the globe. Global billionaire population in 2021. So look at this. North America had 1,035 billionaires. Latin America and the Caribbean had 146. Africa had 46. The Middle East had 191. Europe had 954. Asia, 899. And the Pacific had 40. Global billionaire wealth. So looks like North America had 4 billion. 4.5 billion in total wealth from the billionaires. Oh, this is interesting. Latin America and the Caribbean had 465 billion. Oh, okay. I see. That's that's not just 4,000. That's almost in the trillions at this point. I'll have to look at exactly what that number means. But Africa had 104 billion. Pacific had 89 billion, Asia had 2,884 billion, uh, Middle East had 519 billion, and Europe had 3,113 billion in wealth. Total wealth. Okay. That's interesting. Billionaire performance, rising population, surging net worth. The global billionaire population rose by 3.3% in 2021 to 3,311 individuals. This was the third successful year of expansion, but the weakest growth since 2018. The global economy at a glance. Select global indicators for 2021. Select global, okay. Overall, this is a highly supportive environment for billionaire wealth, but it was also a bumpy and nonlinear recovery with individual economies and markets disrupted by new virus variant waves, vaccine inequality, severe supply chain frictions, political upheaval, and regulatory measures. Now, remember on the other episode we did with uh, Alex Karp, and he was going in and out of the billionaire status? There's a lot of things going on these last few years. And so people are going in and out of their billionaire status just just to stay afloat. What drives growth in billionaire wealth? A billionaire's wealth is held in various types of assets, often in their businesses, investments, in publicly listed or private companies, their cash holdings, and their luxury assets, such as real estate, yachts, private jets, jewelry, art, and more. How the value of these assets changes year on year is shaped by a large number of factors, from global economic and political developments, such as economic growth and currency movements, to more individual factors such as billionaire business and investment strategies. Their wealth planning, protection, and tax strategies, as well as their philanthropic giving, while many billionaires in the same country will be exposed to the same economic, political, and regulatory developments, no billionaire's asset structure is the same, and the impact on their wealth will be different for each person. Okay, and so they even go through each uh, region, and give you a a quick uh, performance review of each reason. Annual change in billionaire population. Uh, The the region with the most billionaire change uh, has been Europe with 6.8%. That's interesting. You know, when I look at this, it actually helps me know the different areas that I'll be working in, different regions, and uh, where, I, where I'm best used at, right? Look at these places that are losing billionaires. It may be smart to work with some billionaires and say, hey, I see that this particular area, you're actually losing on the billionaire population. How do we make sure that we continue that billionaire's status? So be, some billionaires may be interested in having those conversations because they want to keep that keep, you know, stay in that, that tier of being a billionaire. 
And wherever you see a billionaire, there's usually millionaires surrounding them because the billionaires make the millionaires around them. Which countries are home to the largest number of billionaires? Here, are, here we unearth and examine the top 15. The top 15 billionaire countries, the United States, China, Germany, India, and the UK coming in at number five. Number six, Hong Kong, seven, Switzerland, eight, Russia, nine, Saudi Arabia, and a tie at 10 for France and Italy. Canada, Brazil, Singapore, United Arab close out the top 15. So to me, this is eye-opening. You know exactly what countries to go to to find your billionaires. And maybe you don't necessarily go straight to the top of the list, but if you live in the United States of America, well, that's good to know, right? The top 15 countries are home to just over three quarters of the global billionaires population and 81% of total billionaire wealth. All right, let's keep going through the report. We are skipping a couple of pages here and there. Um, Oh, here we go. Top 15 billionaire cities, right? So if you're doing some type of a search or you're trying to find billionaires, here they are. New York, Hong Kong, San Francisco, London, Moscow, Beijing, Los Angeles, Singapore, Shenzhen, Mumbai, Dubai, Hangzhou, Sao Paulo, Istanbul, Paris. They're basically telling you where to put your targets at. If you are already, if you already are doing business in these cities, you can pay attention to where the billionaires are and move accordingly. Especially if you live in New York, you have all the advantages in the world. There's no excuses. All right, so next, billionaire density. Inhabitants per billionaire. Let's see if they give a definition of this. Let's see if they have a definition. A city's billionaire density is influenced not only by the number of individual billionaires, but also by the size of its general population and the demarcation of physical city limits based on metropolitan areas. The capital of Kuwait on the Persian Gulf is a top-ranked city for billionaire density, one billionaire for approximately every 33 residents. It is followed by two of the world's leading billionaire cities. Why does this matter? Because the environment you're in could dictate where your mind goes. Kuwait City, San Francisco, Hong Kong, Dua, Singapore, New York, London, Moscow, Hamburg, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., right? All right, so we'll keep going. Today's billionaires by industry focus. Billionaire characteristics differ according to the industry to which they devote most of their time. Primary industry, banking and finance is the main industry focus for the largest share of billionaires. Banking and finance. So let's look at these industries. This is the one I really came here for. Yes, because if we can find out where the billionaires reside, we can uh, put ourselves in a position in these particular industries, whether you're in the consulting uh, area, investing, whatever you may be doing, it's good to know where the billionaires are. Top 10 billionaire primary industries. Banking and finance. 20.4% of billionaires are in this area. Industrial conglomerates, real estate, technology, manufacturing, business consumer services, healthcare, food and beverages, nonprofit and social organizations, hospitality and entertainment. Let's read a little bit more about this. Oh, they're looking at age now. Over the past decade, there has been a gradual decline in the size of the global banking and financial industry caused by post-financial crisis restructuring and regulation. However, the influence of financial markets on billionaire wealth has arguably increased, reflecting a period of unprecedented, unprecedented central bank liquidity. Historically low interest rates and relatively subdued global growth and consumer demand, which which have contributed to the hugely enhanced role of monetary policymakers in bolstering world asset markets. Banking and finance, y'all. So what, what would I do with this? I would look at these industries and see what do I align with already? 
and make sure that I know all the major players in that particular industry. So then those major players, because remember, I don't have to know the billionaires. I can know the people who know the billionaires. And the best way to get an introduction to those billionaires is through a warm introduction. Right. So find one, one of the industries that you feel you are best suited in and make your moves. Age, general billionaire population, median age, 66. Median age among the top five billionaire primary industries. Industrial conglomerates. I want to look at that. What does that mean? Industrial conglomerates. I've actually heard of this before, but I want to just do a deep dive. I didn't, I don't plan on doing a lot of deep dives on this report, but that one stands out to me. What is an industrial conglomerate? Because that's second on the list of industries. What is an example of conglomerates? Here we go. Industrial conglomerates are highly dispersed businesses working across globalized value chains. They rely on strong management. Okay, can I get an example? Trying to see if I can get an example of an industrial conglomerate. All right, industrial conglomerates. We're on seekingalpha.com. Industrial conglomerates are, li- are large and highly diverse companies which have been seen, have seen the rise and fall followed by restructuring for future growth. This is increased risk of goodwill being overstated. All right, so give me an example. Is, are these examples? Industrial conglomerates are large companies who have diversified business segments within the secondary sector of the economy. Oh, okay, so Honeywell, GE, 3M, Simons. Is that what we're saying? Companies such as United Tech, Danaer, 3M, General Electric. Okay, industrial conglomerates. Okay. Okay, I'll uh, look into... I'll look into that. So this is where oh Honeywell has $155 billion in, in uh, market cap, 3M. Okay, I'll, I'll look into this and see who's like on the rise. I think that's important. Oh, and then you look at the different deals that they've done. They recently acquired in 2021, acquired Sparta Systems, Honeywell did at $1.3 billion. Cool. All right, so I'll look into in, in industrial conglomerates. That seems like a, a thing that I would be interested in. So we'll see. And we'll see which one will gravitate towards me. But the average age is 68.8. Manufacturing, real estate, banking, and finance technology. Gender. Among the top primary industries, technology has a lowest share of female billionaires. Gender, proportion of women among the top five billionaires, primary industries, banking and finance. Source of wealth, the share of self-made billionaires in industrial conglomerates is well below the global average. But it says self-made, but you know, I say God-made from our last episode. Source of wealth among the general billionaire population. 60% 60% are, are God-made, 10% are inherited, and 28% are inherited slash self-made or God-made. Sources of wealth among the top five billionaire primary industries. Banking and finance is 68% God-made, 78 inherited. It's interesting that inherited isn't as high as we usually would think. A lot of these people have done it on their own. Well, not on their own but they've done it without it being specifically handed to them based off this chart. With most billionaires involved in generating substantial wealth from their own commercial enterprises, it's no no surprise that many have overseen or been involved in numerous merchant acquisition transactions as they have grown or sold their businesses. The average U.S. billionaire has overseen or taken part in more than 26 M&A deals on the acquisition side and seven on the seller side. That's interesting because I work in the mergers and acquisition space. So this is actually awesome. 
average number of M&A transactions per U.S. billionaire, with acquirer organizations 26.7, with seller organizations 7.2. So I think this is important for me because the more deals that I do, the more things I'm involved in, it may put me in a better position, uh, not necessarily to be a billionaire, but to have more of a world perspective of what's going on around me. That's awesome. The average risk billionaire has been involved in more than 33 M&A transactions. Wealth distribution by tier. A significantly larger share of technology-focused billionaires are in the highest wealth tiers. Population distribution by wealth tier among the top five billionaire primary industries. Okay, so now they're, they're doing the tiers of of who what billionaire status so from 1 billion to 2 billion from 2 billion to 5 billion from 5 billion to 10 billion and then they're breaking that down by each industry banking and finance industrial conglomerates manufacturing real estate and technology i was just looking at industrial conglomerates and it seems here that 54 percent are are the ones that are 2 billion or less 34% 34% have 5 billion to 2 billion. Uh, 6.5% have 10 billion to 5 billion. And 4.4% have 50 billion to 10 billion, with 1% being 50 billion or more. So that's interesting that manufacturing and real estate do not have any of the $50 billion or more. <coughs> Ooh, excuse me. $50 billion or more. Uh, billionaires in that particular area. Asset allocation, tech billionaire portfolios favor public holdings, whereas private holdings are preferred by those in real estate. Okay, that's interesting to know. There's a lot of great information in this. This is a really great report. There's little tidbits that if you continue to study and you're out here, you'll be able to pay attention to some of the moves that are going on. Asset allocation among the top five billionaire primary industries, private holdings, public holdings, liquid assets, real estate, and luxury assets. Real estate and luxury assets are not a high percentage of anyone's dealings. So in banking and finance, their private holdings are 22%. Their public holdings are 29 So a lot of these people are choosing public over private, except for real estate. Real estate is more private. That's interesting. Very interesting. You really need to go on Spotify and look at these, these charts. Here we go. Phil, philanthropic giving. Irrespective of billionaires' primary industry focus, education is the most popular philanthropic cause. Top five philanthropic causes among billionaires, education, health and medical research, arts and culture, social services, environment, conversation, conservation, and animals. That's good to know. It's good to know where the billionaires will put their money. Methodology. This report uses the unique and proprietary WealthX database, the world's most extensive collection of curated research and intelligence on the wealthy. Awesome. So, and they tell you more about the company, WealthX. To obtain further information, to request a demo, please contact us. So, thank you so much, WealthX and Altra Tara Company, for putting this report together. This is something I will be studying uh, more outside of the podcast. And I just want to give a little bit of my reflections, if I'm allowed. Uh, What I'm noticing the most, uh, what stood out to me the most, was these industry focuses which is exactly what I wanted to come here for, right? <laughs> to know where, uh, the, of course, the, the mergers and acquisitions is an awesome uh, area. It, it lets me know that I may be exactly where I need to be. Not necessarily to be a billionaire, but to make sure that I have full scope of the game that's in front of us. And what really stands out to me are the primary industries. Because I can look at these primary industries, pick the ones that uh, best suit me, and then play my game within those industries. Especially if I'm, if you're leveraging the mergers and acquisition space, you can be in multiple industries, right? 
And so knowing which ones give you the best yield is important. Banking and finance, industrial conglomerates, real estate, technology, and so on. Business, consumer services, healthcare. These are the industries that if you already are in or have experience in, you should be in. Okay. Now I will say this because it's coming to my spirit to say this. You have to find the right people within these industries to play your game, play uh, long-term games with long-term people. Can we pull that uh, video up? There's a video by Naval that I want to play. And he talks about uh, playing long-term games with uh, long-term people. Naval is uh, one of the top investors in North America. I believe he's in North America. Let's look at that video real quick, and then we'll head out. Naval, play long-term games with long-term people. Let's see. Let's see if we can uh, listen in on that one. Earning a college degree shouldn't. We'll turn the commercial off and I'll let this come on. It's re- he actually has a really great perspective on some things. Money or in learning. Compound interest is. A- All right, I'll change this out. This has music and stuff on it. I wanted just to hear, hear his talk. Oh, here we go. This is from Naval's podcast. Talk a little bit about what industries you should think about working in, what kind of job you should have and who you might want to work with. So you said one should pick an industry where you can play long-term games with long-term people. Why? Yeah, this is an insight into what makes Silicon Valley work and what makes high-trust societies work. Essentially, all the benefits in life come from compound interests, whether it's in relationships or making money or in learning. So compound interest is a marvelous force where it's like, you know, you start out with 1x what you have. And then if you increase 20% a year for 30 years, it's not that you got 30 years times 20% added on. It was compounding. So it just grew and grew and grew until you suddenly got a massive amount of whatever it is, whether it's goodwill or love or relationships or money. So I think compound interest is a very important force. You have to be able to play a long-term game. And long-term games are good not just for compound interest, they're also good for trust. If you look at prisoner's dilemma type games, the solution to prisoner's dilemma is tit for tat, which is I'm just going to do to you what you did last time to me with some forgiveness in case there was a mistake made. But that only works in an iterated prisoner's dilemma. In other words, if we play the game multiple times. So if you're in a situation, like for example, you're in Silicon Valley, where people are doing business with each other and they know each other, they trust each other, then they do right by each other because they know this person will be around for the next game. Now, of course, that doesn't always work because you can make so much money in one move in Silicon Valley. Sometimes people betray each other because they're just like, I'm going to get rich enough off this that I don't care. So there can be exceptions to all these circumstances. But essentially, if you want to be successful, you have to work with other people and you have to figure out who can you trust and who can you trust over a long, long period of time that you can just keep playing the game with them so that compound interest and high trust will make it easier to play the game and will let you collect the major rewards, which are usually at the end of the cycle. So for example, Warren Buffett has done really well as an investor in the US stock market, but the biggest reason he could do that was because the US stock market has been stable and around and didn't get, for example, seized by the government during a bad administration or the U.S. didn't plunge into some war. The underlying platform didn't get destroyed. So in his case, he was playing a long-term game, and the trust came from the U.S. stock market stability. In Silicon Valley, the trust comes from the network of people in the small geographic area that you figure out over time who you can work with and who you can't. If you keep switching locations, you keep switching groups, let's say you started out in the woodworking industry, and you build up a network there, and you're working hard, you're trying to build a product in the woodworking industry. And then suddenly another industry comes along that's adjacent but different, but you don't really know anybody in it, and you want to dive in and make money there. If you keep hopping from industry, no, actually, I need to open a line of electric car stations for electric car refueling. That might make sense. It might be the best opportunity. But every time you reset, every time you wander out of where you've built your network, you're going to be starting from scratch. You're not going to know who to trust. They're not going to trust you. 
there are also industries in which people are transient by definition. They're always kind of coming in and going out. Politics is an example of that, right? In politics. All right. So yeah, take a look at that perspective, play long-term games with long-term people. And I think if you couple that message with this report, you can start looking at the industries that are best suited for you and make sure that you have the right relationships in those particular industries. And as you're playing this game with long-term people, you can you can build your wealth over and over and over and over again. And maybe you become a billionaire, maybe you become ultra wealthy with what, $30 million or more, or maybe you are the $5 million or more. But whatever you choose to do, as long as you're playing long-term games with long-term people, you're, you'll be successful. Uh, so yeah, this is a really great concept. Uh, so the data is in, I really enjoy the data, but does the data matter? Well, let's listen to a fellow black billionaire tell us about data. You know, it's interesting. I, I think, you know, again, I'm not a politician. Right. You know, I'm an engineer who actually made good in private equity, right? I mean, that's, that's my story. Um, but I think the things to now learn about what has occurred in this election cycle, and this gets back to the heart of it, is the importance of understanding data. Mm-hmm. Okay, because if you really look at it, you know, there is one camp that understood the data mm-hmm. and managed their activities around what the data actually said versus another camp that said, I'm going to manage this around, you know, opinions uh, and surveys that frankly were outdated in the methodology. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you all know this because you are, you know, most of you in this room, there's a few of us who are still digital immigrants, most of you are true digital natives. And you take your information, you know, 14 seconds at a time, you know, 55,000 times a day, right? In the way you look at your smartphones and you engage and you interact. And that creates a fabric of impressions that if understood properly, shapes not only outcomes, but shapes opinion. So why do I say that? Because it's important that the voices that are, you know, propagated out there truly reflect, reflect positions and opinions on how we think about ourselves, how we think about, you know, uh, African-American women, how we think about Americans, how we think about immigrants. And you all have to actually use the power of your voices effectively and understand how to harness and broadcast it for areas that are of importance to you. You know, I know how to do it in my world of software, but that's what I do for a living, okay? Um, You have to figure out how to do it as a political scientist to actually shape, if you're thinking about the US, you know, this this nation in a way that you think is just fair and right. And if it's global in, in a different dimension, but it's up to you to figure out how to use the tools that are available that are highly effective because you all consume these tools all the time, constantly. So that's an important part of the the dynamic. 